to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. Since crossing the bridge from Windsor to Detroit as a bespectacled, self-described nerd, Richie Horton has become a barometer for the development of techno and DJing itself. Like so many since, it was initially inspired by the Detroit sound and DIY approach, leading him and John Aquaviva to found Plus 8 Records in 1990. The label and Horton's own productions and parties quickly sent ripples throughout the developing techno community, both at home and abroad. But he truly found his voice as an artist shortly after with the Plastic Man alias, which became one of the defining projects in techno history. By this time an unlikely star, Horton was also innovating DJing by incorporating effects and extra machines into his sets. His input helped shape the industry standard zone DJ mixer and the tractor performance software, both of which became standard issue tools for DJs worldwide. As the years progressed, he also spearheaded the shift towards so-called minimal techno and later helped consolidate the emerging model of DJ as entrepreneur. But as he says in this interview with Christine Kakari, even as a thoroughly canonized artist with three decades of experience, he's still the same nerd at heart who wants nothing more than to push the envelope. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Richie Horton is up next. So at the moment, you're kind of nearing the end of a flurry of activity around your close project, the tour that you've been undertaking for the last couple of years. I want to talk about close in more detail, but I'd love to know what have been your takeaways about this particular tour? Have there been any? Wow, yeah. Well, close, when you when you ask me anything about close, the word challenging comes up. Right. Um, because... You know, the show is technically challenging and there's eight or depends nine or even ten people on tour to make the show a reality, you know, from technical lighting, 
We have uh, Florian who's just making sure all the cameras are set up. So it's, um, and, and quite often I take the night off before, even if it's a Friday, to be there for all the sound checks and just make sure the show is amazing. So it, it, it's quite a, a lot of stress. But um, these are like most of my projects, you know, like Plastic Man Live or Contact. It's usually on the edge of being possible. And um, that stress and anticipation and exploration, you know, is part of what makes it fun for me, you know, on the good days. <laughs> so, so what do I do? What's the take home is, um, you know, for close is, yeah, I think I just said exploration and in a way, Close has been like an experiment on how to do a large-scale DJ techno show. But at the same time, when I really think about it, it's also been a way for me to carve out time in my touring schedule to play with equipment and nearly kind of do some production and be in the studio even though I'm not in my studio. It's the thing that I miss the most is just sitting in the studio and nerding out and geeking out with my equipment. I just don't have that time like I used to. And of course, I could just take three, four months off and do it, but I also love traveling. I love touring. I love the excitement, you know, and energy of being on stage. So I've tried to somehow bring those two worlds together and and kind of so what I'm getting at is um, in the near future I would love to be back more in the studio and close is kind of in me getting my chops going again and learning all these little modules and playing with them on stage to hopefully give me more momentum when I get into the studio and it's not just a cold start. That's really interesting to me that you frame it that way that and even the way that the show is staged, it's very exposing in a way mm-hmm. that that is what would give you the confidence to go into the studio and not the other way around. Yeah, well, uh, well, I don't know if it's about confidence. I just think it's about time management and looking at the reality of my situation. And like I said, how much I love touring and finding a way to bring them again together. You know, usually... I'm at my best in the studio when I'm isolated and introverted and that kind of plastic man pseudo name or, you know, the other side of my Gemini self comes out of me. You know, to get into that headspace and to feel comfortable and confident in in the studio, you need to be a master of the machines. And, um, you know, when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, and you don't have any responsibilities and you're not touring the world and you're doing one or two DJ gigs on the weekend, then you're the master of all that because you just, all my time then was just by myself in my studio. So, so really, my time by myself in my studio right now is on stage at Close and the rehearsals we have. And even the, the last week of Apple stores and what we did in Berlin last night, these 15, 20 minute, 30 minute show demonstration, it's just me geeking out with the machines and people watching. And that at the heart is what Close is about. And I think that for me is at the heart of what DJing and why I got into this whole thing. You know, I used to just be the geek in the corner playing cool records and once in a while someone came to the booth and said, hey, that's great, but most of the time people were on the dance floor. There was a strobe light, nobody saw or cared who was playing. And so 
I felt very comfortable being that geek. Now I'm a geek on a bigger stage. <laughs> Even the, the word close, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but just this idea of like proximity and transparency. Do you think that this is something where you're wanting to reach back into something from the past or is this like a new mode? I, th I, I think in? it's both. Um, I think you know, DJing is about being close to the moment that you're in with everybody, being close to the people, watching them. And, you know, a, a great performance is, is a give and take. It's a conversation. So you start by sending out your sonic message and then you kind of give and take and okay are they liking this do they like it okay they don't like it well i'm gonna i'm gonna make them like it or you know this has been too strong for a while let's change it but you know so there is there's a sensitivity to great performances and great djing and i think sensitivity is another idea of of close so trying to still hold on to that or even grasp back onto it more as I become more popular as the stages of techno events have got bigger and further away from the crowd is definitely very important to me. The closest I ever got to standing up and pressing play and just having a playlist was when I did Plastic Man Live. And we made so many crazy technologies to enable me to perform that show and be spontaneous, but it's still, the show took over the, the, and, and it lost a bit of the spontaneity that I love and what I do, uh, even though I'm, you know I was very happy with those shows. So I tried. That was probably the turning point. It's like, okay, how can I continue playing on these big stages and deliver a great experience? Because on that level, it, it, it for me personally, it goes beyond just what's coming out of the speakers. You know, five, ten thousand people. Maybe only half of them are getting actually good sound in the best situation. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so it's always been very. You know, it, it's clear in my head that there needs to be something more. But so it was really, how, how do I escape the pitfalls of Plastic Man? How can I get up there and just play? How can I feel close to the people and bring it on that level? I also feel like I read or heard something that you said recently with regards to Close that one of the inspirations was watching, I guess, more of a traditional band type dynamic of people with acoustic instruments, et cetera. Um, is that correct? Yeah, I, you know, I was actually, I was at Coachella going around and it, quite often something bugs me and, and, and my action is a kind of a, it's a reaction against that. I remember even in the early, like why Plastic Man was born was that I loved Acid House, and then I tried to do my own intense Acid House under the name Fuse, F-U, Substance Abuse, and then Acid House for me then started to get really hard and abrasive and, and obnoxious. And that drove me to try to make a atmospheric Acid House album, which basically became Sheet One. So it's always, it's always been that. Someone goes left, I go right. So at, at Coachella, the organizers had started to split DJs and put many of them in this tent called Yuma, I think. Beautiful tent, basically a dark room, basically a club on a festival. And I was like, okay, on one level, I like it. That's where club culture came from. But I was also disappointed that that was, like, I felt like we were pushed into a corner, that that was only what we could be. And I think we can be all of it. 
So after spending some time there, I watched other bands, and I was just like, okay, why why aren't we out there? And 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 if so, you know, what actually if people are out there, what are they doing from a, from a DJ perspective or standpoint? And most of them weren't actually working that well, or, or weren't giving anything that creative. It was more about a torso standing behind a table, pumping their fist, and uh, with some flashing visuals behind. And uh, you know, it's like there's got to be more you've got to be able to do something better than that. And then watching bands, like I'm not, I was never a guitar player or a drummer, but I was thinking back and thinking when I went to see Nitzareb, you know, like I must have been 15 or 16. I had no idea about music, but their concert and they were hitting these tins and there was this physicality and there was this connection between these people doing something and what I was hearing. I didn't understand it, but my mind put it together and it just made it so exciting. And I was like, so how can we do that when you know, we're using little laptops and little keyboards and little knobs, which are, you know, two inches. Can we, you know, I say we because, you know, I have a great, great team that I always collaborate with internally and sharing ideas. Like, can, can, how can, can we make that happen in the world of DJs? Do you think there's a limit to what you can do? I know that with a lot of your projects, you're kind of actively pushing at the, the borders of those limits, but... At what point does it become like a square peg in a round hole type situation? I think that's the that's the exploration I'm I'm on a bit right now. Like um, when you get into doing a concert, which is about one person on stage, yeah, what can you do to make it engaging and authentic? And uh, honestly, I, I think we've kind of boiled it down to the bare essentials. You know, I'm ba- I'm able to get on stage and. Not saying everybody calls it entertaining or you know thinks it's engaging just to watch me move left and right and, and touch things, <laughs> but um, you know with cameras following me and my movements, I don't have to worry about doing something to connect with the audience. I feel that the connection is there by them seeing me do in my natural habitat. I know. It's like I'm in a zoo, you know? It's like, just give me some bananas and a comfortable... It's a terrible. It's not a very environmentally, uh, politically correct thing to say. But, um, but it, it's like, put me in my natural habitat and allow me to do what I love to do and what I think I'm good at and, and, and watch and build a show out of that. I want to talk a little bit about the, the presence of cameras um, and how it plays into the close show. Um, and how in everyday life <laughs> very true and in everyday life as well okay it sounds like you consider it to be something that's almost like interactive or um, that the audience and you are part of the same process they can see what you can see and whatnot did you at all worry about kind of I don't know I guess like demystifying certain aspects of what it is that you do yeah you know I definitely do yeah I, I think about am I giving up too much but I believe that the most important piece of the puzzle in any performance is the human being no matter what technology or instrument they're interfacing with so if I was just a sum of the records I play I wouldn't be up there or if it was really that easy I don't think I would want to be involved in this scene and actually I think it is easier to play than ever before. Some people 
once there was beat matching, said it had gone too far. But I'm a product of a product of technology allowing me to be creative in ways I never thought possible. You know, I can't play the keyboard. I can't sit here and play you a tune. But somehow with instruments and things, I can make some pretty cool stuff. So I've always thought about that, you know, how that allowed me to be who I am. And I would love to inspire other kids out there to, to follow, that, follow that path. So with technologies like radar, you know, allowing everybody to see what I play, when I play it, giving master classes, you know, shortly I want to release all the different iterations of my modular setup on, 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 on modular grid. You know, it's not the craziest modular setup. There's much more people doing crazier, crazier things than, than, than me, but this is my little network and what works for me. And I, I'm really, you know, I'm interested in that personal instrument that I've created. You know, it's, um, I'm quite confident that even if, well, I'm, I'm releasing pretty much everything. Like, you know, people can plug in all the same things, download the same records, you know, get the same plugins. And yeah, maybe they sound a little bit like me, but it's not going to be me. And, and, you know, when I started, what were my first records like? My first records were DX100 and 909s and 808s. The 909 was there because I, I loved Kevin Zonison. The DX100 was there because I loved uh, Derek May. And my records were a bit of a fuse of those. And then slowly I kept, you know, making things and I slowly developed from imitation and found my own personal style. And that took time and energy and dedication. And so... Put it out there, and I'm 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 sure that someone somewhere is going to take that and twist it, and then do something extraordinary. Have you always been that open to uh, the process of inspiration, or just being that transparent? I mean, you, we're talking about a really long arc of your career. I like no, I, man. I was such a, a introverted nerd that I had trouble probably talking to people back in the day. But <laughs> but if I was into something. And you got me started. I usually wouldn't shut up, you know. So I think, I think I've definitely become more open. The other thing that's important for me is, I never thought I would get on stage. I never wanted to get on stage. Like I was a huge Prince fan, but Prince was on this pedestal, you know. Michael Jackson. I had posters on my wall. Like it was something unattainable, and it, I love exactly where it needed to be. But when I met Derek and 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 Jeff and and Kevin and all those guys, it was. Okay, they, 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 was probably one, they were one step ab above the 15-year-old the you know, geek from Windsor, but I could sit and talk to them. They came down to the DJ booth, and Kevin Song was like, hey, here's a new inner city test pressing. There's only two of these. You want to try it out tonight? Like, how cool was that? You know? and, and so that, for me, is in the... That's, that's part of the lifeblood of, of this culture, in a way, this DIY culture, this open culture of, of music and sharing that is like spread out around the world now and has become so huge that we have become on these pedestals and a little bit like the artists we never thought we would be. And I wanna, I wanna be transparent, I wanna inspire, I wanna have connections to my peers and to the, the fans and the next generation and try to keep it in this beautiful little bubble where it is possible for like a kid to dream and use technology and do something, you know, incredible, you know.
I don't know. I don't know anything about other genres because I was going to say like I don't want it to be like hip hop or rock music, but I'm sure there's the same kind of feeling to people in there. But I, I just don't. It's, this is not pop music, you know. It it's huge now. It's not as underground as it used to be, but it's still a little beautiful microcosm. And the more we can keep it in our own little world, and the 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 the, the longer this special bubble will continue. Mm -hmm. You you just said that this is not pop music, but there have certainly been these kind of moments or these spikes where um, certain types of electronic music have crossed over to some degree to mainstream music, Um, I guess most recently a few years ago. Has that had any impact on you as somebody who is like very recognisable, very well known? Did that kind of start nipping at your heels a little bit? Um, Yeah, but, you know, there's, there's... there's always been spikes of when our culture has, you know, bridged into popular culture and said, hey, here we are. And then popular culture goes, wow, that's cool. And then after a couple of weeks or months, they're like, oh, what's next? And, and you know, I, I remember in the early 90s getting recognized on the street for the first time in London. I, was, I think it was after the Mixmag cover, and I was really uncomfortable. And so I kind of grew into that skin to, you know, be okay to deal with people who like what I do, and 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 uh, I'm I'm cool with that, and that's part of the explosion. But the the the, the point I was going to make was, I know I'm not dissing anyone here, but you know I remember when Moby's um, you know go with kind of a Twin Peaky vibe went from a super weird underground anthem and broke out and. And look at Moby now, and so then, then you know, like the, the, I remember Sasha and Digweed, like the first trance guys, who also and the Deep Dish, all the, these guys went and actually left our culture, and had were at the Grammy Awards for remixes, and then also came back and continued to support our culture or their culture. So there's always, you know, been these moments. Uh, throughout my career, and uh, I think it's let's look at it for the for the good side. If that introduces people to electronic music, and some of them find their way into something deeper or more, whatever we call underground, <laughs> you know, and they, and and they they become true electronic music supporters, we should welcome them. Like it, it, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, it was it was really crazy. Like five, six years ago, maybe seven, with the whole EDM explosion and and bubble and uh, like yeah, it, it's like are we all one because we're all electronic music or like how do you? It depends on how you look at it. It's like do you subdivide it. It's like no, we're techno. Their house, they're 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 commercial. They're cheesy. They're like what 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 is all this? Like so like I I don't find I don't like all EDM, you know, you find people making different music than you do, but it's still electronically produced. And 30 years later, it's touching more people than ever. I think that's pretty damn incredible. It's like, like, look at Joel, like Dead Mouse. Like, his music is completely different than mine. I feel an affinity to, uh, to him because he's a, a local Canadian who's forging his own way, doing an incredible cube version three he's sitting there programming this shit to make crazy stuff happen he just lives it you know and that's like like we live electronic music we live electronic culture and if it comes out a little bit fluffier this way or more colorful that way you know it's still cool that we're all doing this stuff 
Speaking of uh, uh, Dead Mouse, I believe that you released an EP of his. Is that right? Yeah, we had a te- we had his first test pilot on Plus Eight around the time we did a back to back in uh, at South by Southwest, which was crazy. It was just us on stage, like kind of triangle, looking at each other. I had my effects, and I think he had a little modular thing, and um, it was kind of during that that peak of. Of, um, of the EDM explosion. Yeah, I think, you know, half of his fans were like, who the hell is this Richie Haughton geek? And half of my fans were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, we had, we had a blast. It was, um, it was um, really spontaneous and challenging because we are, we're playing different things and finding a, a balance in between. But in the end, it was, we destroyed the crowd. It was really, really, it was really straight techno and, you know, you're never going to make all the right decisions and some things aren't going to work. But I like experimenting, living on the edge a little bit, you know, as, as much as I can, getting up with new technologies, programming new things and um, hearing new records. It, it, it's, it, it's music, it's technology, it's all the things, futurism, all these things kind of inter, intertwine what, what drives me along and keeps, and keeps, me, keeps me coming back for more. <laughs> I wrote something about you years ago. I wrote a piece about you, and I think I described you in that as a future fetishist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a fair characterization? Yeah, yeah. You know, like I just, I, uh, I'm traveling all the time. Like it, it's just like it, it, it's just nonstop. I've always been like that since a kid. Um, I think. You know, everyone knows my story. Moving away, traveling, being an, uh, 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 emigrating, my dad, technology, music. Uh, and when I first heard those, uh, you know, when I heard Derek May's records, it was just like, it just sounded like they were from tomorrow. And then when I saw Jeff play, or even heard him just on the radio, I was just like, what the hell is going on? That idea of like, what the hell is, is happening right now? Or what the, what the hell is that music? I, I love that moment. And, and, and I, think it's, I, I think it's harder to make me feel that right now with the music that comes out. Like there's great music, there's great techno records. But because we have 30 years of history of what techno is, I think it is increasingly difficult to break out of the, the definition that we, we, we've made for ourselves, which is okay. Like, you know, it, I think it's a great definition. It's an incredible genre. So where I find more futurism in my everyday life is doing these projects like Close and performing and, and, and yeah, improvising and putting myself in a situation where you're like, okay, now it's actually, I can't walk out of this room now or the stage. It's like press start and go for it. I mean, you mentioned that you're not necessarily the kind of guitar-driven music kind of guy. Have you ever considered applying the things that you've learned or applying this kind of like quest for more knowledge and more experimentation to other styles of music or other styles of instruments? Mm, not, not, not really. I, th- like, I think there's already so much more to explore in my realm and so many, you know, so much more for me to learn in my equipment and how to perform better, how to be more prepared but more spontaneous I don't know maybe it's an egoistic thing now but I I got into this because I loved sitting in my basement programming on my bulletin board system when I was 12 or 13 and communicating people 
with the people around the world. So I, I, I liked interacting, but I also like to have some kind of space or distance, or I like to be in control of it because I was running the, you know, people called my bulletin board system. And it's, <laughs> you know, and I could like make it look and say whatever I wanted. So I love just being with, with, with the equipment and, and unleashing and, and hopefully making something which, like if you're in the studio or you're playing, like when you got it and you've got the groove and you, you know it, you know, and if you can do that and there's people in front of you and they get it too, Wow. Does it happen as frequently for you now as when you were in your basement, that kind of Man, getting it, that flow feeling? You know what, that's really, you know, I, I, have my, I have my good gigs and I have more, definitely have more good gigs or great gigs than bad gigs, in, in my opinion, you know. Um, but it's, there's always those moments where you're like, wow, man. Like, what's what's going on here? Is it me? Is it I, I can't find the records that are like making me super excited. But there's it's always moments where you're unsure and 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 trying to find that, trying to get it to click in. And that's sometimes just within the space of a gig. And sometimes that's over a tour. And sometimes you play too little and you don't have time to get into the into all the tracks or get into your groove sometimes you play too less like I would actually say close is too less like we we have you know I'm doing my my regular DJing I guess whatever that is and and then every week or every three four weeks then it's like okay we've got a close show and then you know you take the day off before you set everything up you do sound check and you're like okay what was what was I feeling? What was working last time? Not to do the same, but like once you you know, what was that rhythm? What, you know, and that's you know, I think going back to that original question of some of the things like challenges or things that I've learned from close, like that's um, it's hard to jump back from two different saddles, mm -hmm. you know, because even though they are based upon what I do as a DJ, they're 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 two different beasts. I mean, you're in a position in terms of. You know, you've been doing this for a long time. You're very well established. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned that you're working with a team, but ultimately you're the boss, right? Like, yeah. So you could presumably space it out a bit, take a bit of time off, yeah, recharge but I, the batteries. I, 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 yeah, well, you know, you're not the first person to ask or say that. <laughs> um, yeah, but records are coming out all the time. Um, there's so many events. and um, Like, it, it, it's very important to take time off. I always take minimum a month away, maybe two months off of gigs. I always have like a couple of weeks where I detox also outside of that. But um, there's just an, an energy and immediacy that I feel in being part of the whole scene and being part of electronic music. Like it, you take a couple of months off, which is absolutely incredible. I love it. But if you really want to do that, you really need to take time off. You need to actually let the music go, and then, and then coming back into it takes. It's difficult, you know. To which records did you miss? Oh, this is amazing. Oh, actually, everyone's been playing it for the last three months. Damn, that would have been. A, I I could have dropped that. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like okay, well, there's been an update for this software and that, and 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 like my. My setup is my setup. Like you know, it's it's me updating, it's me checking everything, and 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 listening to all the records. So it's nearly, especially these days, with and so many gigs and the, the the intensity of the whole scene, it's nearly easier to stay on it rather than jump off. <laughs>
Right. So the FOMO my, you know, is my, real. My, my, all my, my friends say, Rich, you know, you like just slow down. Yeah. Like, you, you, you don't need you don't need to do this many gigs. You don't. Uh, but uh, like, but I, I like it. So when you're in that kind of switch off detox mode, are you are you actually able to chill out, or are you? Yeah, you know, like, well, I have to. No, I, 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 I'm pretty good at chilling out and turning off things, and then getting into a book or. You know, um, when I take my main break, we, we disappear to kind of the same place nearly every year. So we don't have to think about where we're going. I kind of just slip into a totally different frame of mind. And I'm kite, kite, kite surfing and I love swimming. Like I try to do that the whole year. So there, there's things which, even though it probably it doesn't sound like there's much of that, there's enough of it that allows me to still be here because you cannot sustain like this 24 7 for nearly 30 years Mm -hmm. you know you've got to find that moment where you step back and then you forget about it a bit and then you come back and you're like okay this is why i love it and like oh who's that and what's going on and and have that like appetite or energy or even hunger you know but I, I think that's, it's also built into our scene, like, or, or maybe not, I don't know, like, with, you know, I'm part of the, no, I'm not the first generation, um, you know, many, you know, the, the whole Detroit gang and people before them paved the way, but, you know, I'm kind of near to the beginning of when this really broke onto another level. So it, it's really, like, what are we supposed to do after 30 years of techno? Not saying, do we go to another, like, but like, you know, how do we actually get older into the scene? Is that com- a conversation that you have, like with your peers well, or your like that original Detroit crew you've been well, talking some about? Well, pe- some people, you know, like people have different responsibilities and, and families and lots of things change and, and you have to like navigate life as you're doing having a creative life and a life that takes you away from your family and friends. And like, I think it's, yeah, you have to, you have to think about that. Like, uh, I just, I just follow the role model of like, of, um, Mick Jagger and, and Roger Federer. Okay. You know, it's like, I think the, the main thing I'm trying to say is like, the intensity of and pace of, of electronic music is what I love about it. But you do have to find a way to balance so you can enjoy it and actually, you know, what's the word? Uh, maintain at that at that level. Mm-hmm. So you can sustain I, I, yourself. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I don't want to like feel like crushed by it. Yeah. And, and there's, there is for sure, there's moments, there's up and downs where you're like, fuck man, this is like, this is, well, this is, this is tough or you're tired or this and that I booked too many gigs or, you know, I wish I had more time off, but in general, you know, it's, um, if I have a couple of nights off of, you know, and, 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 and I have some good sleep, I go for a swim, I go get my trainer to like kick the, my, kick me in the butt and like get my mind off everything, have a green tea and I'm ready to rock. Again. <laughs> <laughs> um, just what you were saying about aging through electronic music or through um, techno is perhaps some of the other offshoots and projects that you've been involved in. So you have your record labels, you've got something like Close, for example, you have your line of sake. Are these in some kind of way intentional, like 
I don't want to say like a retirement plan, but yeah, like no, no, something no. I think, to. I think that's, a, I think that's yeah. a, a fair, a fair question, and uh, yeah, like I think you do, or I have, like you know, got interested in other, th- other things, sake, more in art projects, and spent more time in some of those things uh, along the way, but. I don't think there's there's no retirement plan. Like everything I'm involved in, all of the above things, are things that I find incredibly engaging and inspiring. And it, I think it's but it, it it's good for for me to be able to have something else and move around, not as a backup plan, but more as a hey, let's let's do a bit of this over here and and percolate the live show or percolate you know some some gigs. No, you know, slow down on that for a bit, and then come back with renewed energy or inspiration or, or ideas. Like I, I needed to do Plastic Man to understand what I didn't want to do with that, but then it needed some time to actually figure out what that was until Close came up. Yeah, it's 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 more like just balancing inspiration and um, so that you know I want to be doing all of this in some capacity basically until I die. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no backup plan. Yeah. You know, that would be, I wouldn't want to waste time on figuring, you know, a backup plan because then I couldn't do what I love. Yeah. I want to ask you about how you're feeling today because today... Like right today. <laughs> today, today, today. Um, because I, I think just an hour ago, the AV album portion of Close was released. Like, how do you feel on days like today where you're like, I'm putting something out in the world, let's see, let's take people's temperature on it. Like, how, what's your mindset? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, well, I woke, I woke up and I wasn't very happy because I wasn't sure that we had a good post for Instagram that really captured the energy of the movie in a small, you know, the film of the experience of the release in a small um, capsule to kind of get people excited about it. So I got up and I loaded Adobe Ellis um, Premiere and I made a new clip and that's what we posted. <laughs> so, you know, so that that's a, a typical kind of thing that would happen, you know, on, on, on release day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working on this for a year and a half. Like I'm very relieved to have the AV version out but as some people know and and some people don't there's another component of this release which was also honestly supposed to come out today and didn't because of technical issues of us probably trying to do too much in too short of a time and trying to create something that is very it, it's pushing pushing the technology, so I'm I'm a bit uh, disappointed that we couldn't drop that today, but um, so that's what I got to work on right after this. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, if that's a, if that's the answer to that. Um, I would I, imagine though that somebody who's working in multimedia and things that are very, you know, very much created around like complicated digital frameworks that that sense of, um, I don't know, being let down by the technology or having to work around things not working out, like, is that... that that's part of it. You know, that's part of, like, yeah, being involved in, 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 in technology for the shows and now for tech... It's so technologically um, complicated also for releases these days, if, mm. even if you're just doing... Um, uh, 
you know, like it's, it's incredible how uh, digital distribution has now connected us to the world. And I, I'm a sole believer that that's part of the reason why our scene is so huge. People can get the music now. But compared to the simplicity of making a track and putting on a record and sending it through to some, you know, eight different distributors, all in the same format, <laughs> actually is, it, it was pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And, um, but now different DSPs, different platforms need different this, different that. And, you know, maybe this is just me driving myself crazy, but the aesthetics of how things or releases on projects are delivered, how they look, how they sound, how they feel, they need to be cohesive, you know, down to, you know, the sound of the hi-hats to the point size of the font. And those change on every different platform. So, um, you know, I, I've always, you know, when we started Plus 8, John Aquaviva and I, you know, we were releasing it. We were getting it pressed. We were taking the records to UPS. I was making the, the album designs and, and, and labels. It was just like, it was a, our own little creative incubator. And that's how it still is. And I, I love it like that. Mm -hmm. But it does um, make it challenging sometimes. Um, but when you, you know, when you bring a, a, a release out and it's all dialed in, like, you know, what we've released today, close combined, like, you know, I, I'm super, like, I'm excited, like, uh, it's killer. Like, you know, it's, it's the, the, I dreamed of, since the DE9 days, of taking different shows and putting them together, you know, and, and taking people through a trip, you know, from one country or city to another. And it, uh, that was 10, 10 years ago, I started thinking about it. And um, it's there, it's out, so. So in a, I don't know, is it fair to say that in a sense, Everything you're doing is some kind of continuation of like the D9 project. I think when I first had my first main real gig at the shelter in Detroit, even then I had a little delay unit. So that's been part of me and manipulating records. It's always been my definition of DJing has been not the normal definition or traditional definition since the beginning. And that definitely is something I've been exploring since then through DE9 and, um, and is very much at the heart of, of Close. But having the going beyond just audio and bringing, not, not because I spent so much time thinking about the idea of a show and, and how, you know, how to do that on a stage and then having the capacity with all these little cameras and then having recording all that and then having the creative opportunity to kind of stitch all that back together was also a challenge and, and re re rewarding, you know? And, um, and ever since I was a kid, I, 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 I like, like to be different or at least think I was different. I don't know if I am, but, and that, you know, so being able to do a project that you think, okay, I don't know if there's really anything like this, that's, that's cool. You know, like, I, I don't know, like, that's just, that, that's the little kid in, in, inside of me. And also the, what's, I think, important for, for, for this release uh, is that, you know, it, it's been made for, for, for mobile, which really interests me of, you know, how we're consuming, you know, media these days, how everything is available, the release is free, it's just, it's out there, and, and how people can then, once the app comes, interact with it more and get, you know, closer and kind of experiment. Like the, the whole, my whole career is whether people get it all. Like I think if you kind of map it out, I'm sure there's a couple of left or right 
past that ended in disaster. But, uh, you can the, say that for anybody, though. Come on. But, 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 I, but I, I think there's a, a cohesion. I think it makes sense. One thing leads to another, and usually by the time something is released, I'm already thinking of what that is leading to, uh-huh. you know, or trying to. Um, that doesn't always, you know, but that's electronic music. That's technology. That's like, who knows where the future leads us, but if we can all grab onto you know, the, the, the things that we are creating and, and, and steer them in the right direction, something wonderful can come out at the end. Mm-hmm. I liked that at the beginning of the AV album, that your likeness or your avatar is very much like calling back to, you know, Dex Effects and 909 era shaved head, mm. <laughs> thick rimmed glasses, <laughs> Richie Horton. And I kind of like, I feel like you can kind of carbon date your career based on your style, hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right. How you present yourself. Like what, what was the reason behind um, looking back fondly at late 90s, Richie? Yeah, yeah well, I think there's definitely a, a, there's so many people looking back at the late 90s because many of them weren't born then, and, and um, right now, DJs and, and fans coming up, and audience, so I think it's a fascination of where this music came from. I'm not so fascinated with it, because I, I was very lucky to, to be there. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I was working on this, um, I found an old interview with me, a lecture that I'd done, which was really around, I think, DE9, closer to the edit, it was exactly when Ableton came out. So I was talking about that and how it may change DJing and where I thought I was going. And um, yeah, I really, it, some of those things resonated with me and some of those ideas have come to fruition in how I perform and some things I'm still searching for or pushing forward. So I thought it was interesting to bring that back and let us, me and the people watching the film or the experience to you know, hear some of those thoughts and think about where our scene has come from, especially from DJing perspective and what we're trying to do with technology and where we might be going. And, um, and, and also just kind of mark what, what I believe about, you know, what I'm trying to do with, with, with my direction. You know, we, you, you asked about inspiration and transparency. There's lots of different definitions of DJing and, and you know, I have, a, I have a specific view on that based upon you know how I was brought up with DJing and from a, from a long time ago and I want to explore that I want to invite other people to you know explore or be open to just like you know seeing where this goes like uh, you know it wasn't just it wasn't the turntables it, it wasn't just the music it was the technology it was about putting things together and creating something that a music that never existed before. It's that idea of futurism. It's about the moment altogether. All those things are in there somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. And and I I want to see this next generation who are coming in, who are super excited and inspired, and giving me a ton of inspiration. Seeing people play records that I can't hear anymore for the first time, and actually like, wow, that's cool again. Is 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 amazing. Like we're thirty years into our culture, and it's just going stronger than ever. And, and I, I feel if at one moment our culture did get close to becoming pop music, it's kind of, kind of you know, retracted a bit. And, and, and the, the, the DIY aesthetics and 
and, and sensitivity, I think, is really being felt by old and young now. And I think that's part of the allure of what, has, what, what electronic music has become. Mm. So we're talking about this kind of 30-year period in which electronic music has been a big part of well, our lives, people in the scene, I suppose. The, this idea of like looking to somebody like you as a... Uh, it's like a, a canon of work or like the Horton era or Horton sound <laughs> or something like that. You know, you're somebody that people can study and emulate and cast a critical eye over. Do you think that's like somehow oppositional to like DIY? Like, I don't know. How does it feel to you to be like an entity to be examined in yeah. that way? No, I, well, yeah, that, that's just how it is. You know, like I think that goes to the idea that there was no rules or that much history in, in this music when it starts. So every day we, we step into a new day and a, a new, you know, a legacy of, of what this music, you know, is or has become. So I don't know, I, I don't know if I can answer that correctly or I think for me, I've just got to, I just want to work on my own ideas and incubate them with a great, and hopefully mostly internal team, you know, in a kind of in, independent structure. And um, yeah, work with like-minded people from around the world, young and old, and, and who have shared values and aspirations and dreams and move forward. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to keep moving forward. Like there's, people are coming in and want to discover 90s records for the first time that's amazing if people want to come in and start DJing in a more traditional sense or anything that has been part of this culture from the beginning to now that's incredible but for me I just want to move forward and keep doing I, when I, I don't mean like doing the same thing as I've always well I do I just keep doing what I've been doing like I think there's a everything builds onto itself and um I always thought I had a low attention span. So I, I, I feel if I'm engaged and excited by something, then somebody else is going to feel that energy. And what are we doing? You know, we're, we're basically sending energy out, whether I make a release like this or I stand on stage or I do a lecture. It's just positive energy. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned uh, having a delay unit with your kind of initial setup. And I feel like I should uh, shoehorn in a question for the the nerd nerds um <laughs> the kind of Horton delay is like a real it's a hallmark it's a signature mm. um I don't so much want to talk about the nuts and bolts and the hows mm. what is it about the delay like what does it offer you where does it take you what does it open up for you like musically I think DJing and 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 making music is about dynamics. It's about bringing people up and down and building and releasing tension. And the delay unit, early days was a, a, D, a, a DP4 and now for a long time it's been the lexicon. Um, it just allows me to have more control over that type of energy and anticipation. It's as simple as that. I'm glad that you were prepared for that question. <laughs> no, that's the first time I ever got <laughs> asked that question. So, you know, I, you know, I love my delay. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, I guess as a, as a wrap-up question, I'm really interested in your approach to the projects that you're involved in and perhaps also your work ethic. To what degree is what you're doing 
work, like labor, to what degree is it love, passion? I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you compartmentalize it if you do it I, all. No, I don't compartmentalize it. I don't, this lifestyle, techno, you don't punch in and punch out, you know. I don't actually see eye to eye when I meet people like that, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. And if I do this for the next five, six years, or I'm going to retire in eight years, like, this is like, this does not compute. I don't know what the, 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 that those type of thoughts are. This is, um, when I was a kid in, in, in like, well, high school, I used to work in theater. Like, I don't, not even that. Like, when you're a kid, you get into something, and you're like, you know, you love it. You want to own it. You're just like, you don't even want to sleep. You know, because you just want to do that thing, that new hobby or that new craft or learn that. And I was always like that. And I went from one thing to another to another. And then when I found electronic music, it was a thing that just grabbed me. And I'll just do what it takes to do what I'm trying to make or what I'm trying to investigate. So is it work? Is it vacation? Or am I, like, is, I can't answer this question. It, it, what would... Um... <laughs> Okay, so as a final, final question, what do you think that young Richie would make of Richie now? Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I think we're, well, what would I say? Um, I think it would be very, very surprised at how I'm able to get on stage and do what I do with in front of so many people. I remember coming to Berlin for the first time and playing Mayday. And at that time, Mayday Festival was massive. And it was like, I remember standing on stage and playing Carl Craig Bug in the Basement. So maybe this was actually 93, 94, 95. Maybe not the first one. And people were just like, what is this guy playing? And, and I was just like, hmm, I, I just don't know if these big parties are for me. <laughs> I just, I don't, I would come off and beat myself up. Yeah. Like really like, oh, I, okay, you know, do I, pl do I not play that record or, or like, or like it was one of my favorite, favorite records of all time, but it was, I really had to learn how to feel comfortable and confident in that type of situation. And so I wasn't then. So Richie Houghton of then to Richie Houghton today, I think would be pretty, um, surprised <laughs> or amazed, um, and and I don't think Richie Houghton of then, I don't uh, I don't know if he would be capable of jumping into the scene that we have now with it, it, it at the velocity and all the all the extra stuff that come with it like the social media and this and that. I, I was too introverted. I don't I don't know if 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 I would have t I would take this path again now if I was him. Mm -hmm.